following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. In uh, verse 13, the Bible says here, Wherefore, 1 Peter 1 and 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Again, talking about Peter's exhortation to good Christian living. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, thank you for thy goodness, thy mercy, thy grace. Father, thank you that we can have joy in the Lord. And Father, Lord, that come what may. And Father, we, we can still have joy even though times are difficult. And Lord, we do pray for those, these hundred or plus, uh, uh, their families that, at the loss of their loved ones. And for those in this room who are dealing with uh, the loss of their loved ones at this time of the year. And yet, Lord, I pray, God, that you give them a reason to be uh, joyful, nonetheless, in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, Father, as we look into thy word this, this evening, I pray, God, you teach us from thy word. Help us to learn those things that are needful for us. Father, things that will help us to be better Christians and experience greater joy. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Peter's exhortation to Christian living. Uh, remembering that Paul or that Peter is writing a general epistle to Christians in general, not to specific churches, and we have talked about, if you will, his exhortation. Uh, he exhorts them to service and sobriety, as we find in verse thirteen. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. We've talked about that. Uh, also, we have talked about, <clears throat> if you will, uh, he exhorts them to a continual hope of the grace of God unto the end. In verse 13, he says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We talked about that last week, and tonight we want to uh, talk about this subject, is that he exhorts them to be obedient children of God. In verse 14, as obedient children. Now, understanding that these people are going through, some of these folks are going through difficult times, persecution and what have you, and understanding that uh, God would still have us to live a good Christian life. And if you will, in verse 14, to be obedient children, even at the most difficult times. And here Peter is exhorting them as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, uh, called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, uh, be ye holy, uh, for I am holy. You know, the, the Lord wants us to be obedient children, as opposed to what we were in times past, before you're saved by the grace of God. If you look with me to Ephesians 2 and 1, Ephesians 2 and 1, we were children, all of us children of disobedience in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air. That's speaking of the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now he's writing to people who've been saved by the grace of God. They are now to become the children of obedience as opposed to what they were and as opposed to what the rest of the world is, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind were by nature and the children of wrath even as others but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved so the, the difference between what we have been and what we are now is the grace of God and uh, something we, we need to be careful that we don't just despise everyone else who is not uh, striving to be obedient as we may be striving now or as we are commanded to be uh, because it's but for the grace of God, we would still yet be children of disobedience. We would still yet have uh, the wrong father, if you will, John 8 and 44. John 8 and 44, to be called the children of disobedience is uh, to point us to back to what Christ said uh, to these Jews who imagined that they were the children of God simply because they were Jews. In John 8 and 44, Jesus really corrected their thinking. John 8 and 44, he said to them, as he would say to all unsaved people, he said, Year of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of, of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And you know, before we were saved by the grace of God, we were all children of disobedience. We all had the same common father spiritual, and that was the devil. And he is a murderer, he is a rebel against God, has led rebellion against the Lord, and we were his children spiritually. Though, you know, the, there, though there is this philosophy that that we're all the children of God by virtue of just being born into this world wrong. The Bible teaches that Jesus taught us in John 3, John chapter 3, that in order to, for there to be a change in our status, if you will, in our, in our position with God, there needs to be a new birth. In John chapter 3, we find a religious leader among the Jews, a, a Pharisee, in verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You know, he wasn't right with God just because he was a Jew and not just because he was a, a religious leader among the Jews. As a matter of fact, there's something that's bothering this man. He comes to Christ by night because he didn't want to face the ridicule of talking to him openly before the world. He came to him by night. He said, uh, he said uh, Thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these, these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And the Lord knew his heart and began to deal with the reason he'd come to him by night. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word see means to understand, if you will, the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's thinking physically, which, is, which would be ridiculous. How can someone go back into his mother's womb as an adult? It's impossible, truly, but that's not what Christ is talking about. And you see the lack of spiritual understanding in this religious leader 
that shouldn't have been there. Goes on to say here, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And the water he is referring to is not baptism. We're born in this world physically through water, if you will. But he says, that which is born, of, he says here, uh, born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You know, folks, we have to be born again spiritually. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. If we're going to know God, if we're going to be able to be obedient children, obedient to God, we must be born again. Otherwise, it is our nature to disobey God, to be children of disobedience. And Paul, excuse me, Peter writing to these believers that are scattered abroad, he writes to them and he's exhorting them to be obedient children, not like what they were before. If you look back, if you will, to our text in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> you know, disobedience comes naturally to man. You know, no one, you know, I, I uh, you know, we raised three kids. I never one time had to say to Joel, Joel, you be disobedient. It came naturally. <laughs> My little angel, angels, we're fallen angels, amen. It, disobedience came to them as it does to all, all children naturally. Why is it that we spend sometimes so much time trying to correct their disobedience? Because they're born children, children of disobedience. It's their nature to disobey a God, disobey mom and dad, and what have you. But folks, if there's going to be a, if there's going to be a change, it has to be because we're born again by the Spirit of God in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. And you know, many did what they did, and, and I did, and so others have done out of ignorance because they didn't know right from wrong. <clears throat> but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, in all manner of life, every area of life. God would have us to be holy, be obedient children, not like we were in the past. In Romans uh, chapter 6, look with me there, Romans chapter 6, <clears throat> and we'll begin in verse 1. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Rome, and the believers there in Rome, says this, in Romans 6 and 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue in disobedience that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You know, in salvation, we make a choice to let go and put to death sin by faith in Jesus Christ and turn to him and trust him to save us, to give us a new life. He says in verse 3, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth, we should not serve sin. Now he's talking about scriptural baptism. 
Scriptural baptism follows, and it's the first step of obedience for a new Christian, a new convert, as we saw with Lydia this morning, although we didn't read the passage, that uh, she followed the Lord in scriptural baptism, became a charter member of the church at Philippi. When you get saved by the grace of God, the first thing that the Lord would have you to do is follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. That baptism makes you a member of the Lord's church, if you will, Christ's body, uh, the local church and what have you. And what it is, it testifies of the fact that you've been, you have, if you will, died in Christ and been resurrected to a new life in Him. And that we're to walk in newness of life, not as disobedient children, but now as obedient children, the children of the Lord. And our baptism declares our salvation. It pictures uh, the Christ that died and, and was buried and rose again the third day. It pictures that, and it shows that, you know what, I want to live for God, amen, as an obedient child of the Lord. In Romans 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Romans chapter 12, And uh, verse 1, the Bible says here, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. What is he speaking of? He's talking about the, this world of disobedience. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the, love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. And so God wants us not to follow the course of the world like we did in time past, but if you will, be obedient children. And he says here, and be not conformed to this world, not, don't, don't, let's not be like them anymore, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, when we get saved by the grace of God, we may have some mixed up notions as to what is right or what is wrong. God wants to renew our mind through his word, helping us to know what is right and what is wrong. And he would have us to be obedient to what is right and to put off what is wrong. Look with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, as we're talking about the exhortation to being obedient children. Ephesians chapter 4, and let's begin in verse 17. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 17. Here Paul, writing the church at Ephesus, says this, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. It says here, because of the blindness of their heart, you know, before we're saved, we're ignorant of the life of God, what it is to live as a Christian, and how it is that we can be saved and live for Christ. It says here in verse 9, who, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But, here in contrast, here Paul writes, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation or life 
uh, of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. And he's going to show a contrast. He's going to say, put off something and then put on something. Put off the old man and put on the new man. You know, God is for replacement. He said, if you're going to get rid of one thing, let's replace it with something else. Let's get rid of the bad and let's replace it uh, with the good. He says, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Let me tell you this, folks. This takes a lifetime to change. It doesn't happen overnight. We have to grow up. We have to go from being children, little children, in the faith to growing up to being mature uh, Christians. He says here, uh, For we are members one of another. Be angry, verse 26, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather, let, but rather let him labor working with his hands. You know, the thing which is good, you know, uh, the people that steal, the people that are thieves don't want to work. And there are those that are on the dole, on the welfare dole, when they could work, they're on the welfare dole looking for a hand, they're stealing. And you say, well, we give them the money. Yeah, we're, we're foolish. I think there ought to be a requirement for those that get government assistance to at least strive to do something, to do what they can do, and then we'll assist them beyond that. Because, you know, if they're doing what they can, do you know they're paying into the system? And then taking from the system. But they're at least saying, I'm doing what I can. And God would have us do that. You know, the the thief doesn't want to work, but work is a good thing for those who've been thieves. He says uh, that they may have to give to him that needeth. Let no, ma- no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness... Let me say this, grieving the Holy Spirit, folks. The Holy Spirit's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not just a power. He's a person. He is a person that dwells within our hearts by faith. And when we're not being obedient children, uh, uh, listen, our Heavenly Father's grieved by our, our behavior, bad behavior. You know, no parent in their, in their right mind wants their kids to grow up to be thieves, murderers, criminals, disobedient. Our goal as parents is to try, by the grace of God, to raise them up to be productive, law-abiding humans. Amen. There are times when I look out at the world today and I think, where are the humans? I mean, they're dressed weird. They've got piercings everywhere, different color hair. I mean, some of them, you know, they, they're not all handsome. Amen. I mean, there's some strange folk out there. And we want them to be saved. But, you know, <clears throat> it grieves God. It grieves God as our Heavenly Father when we're not obedient children. Amen. And he says here, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and giving pastor more coffee and presents. And all. No, that's not there. Amen. That's a slight suggestion. No. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Amen. You know, and obedience is a good thing. Sometimes when we're struggling with obedience, it doesn't seem like a good thing. 
You know, sometimes when children are bent to want to do something wrong, <clears throat> you know, it's funny how little kids will communicate the fact that they're on the verge or in the middle of doing something wrong. They get this funny look on their face like, have you figured out what I'm doing yet, Dad? Mom, are you paying attention? You know what's funny? <clears throat> Mom and Dad, if they are paying attention, probably have a good idea that, yeah, you're on the, either on the verge or you're in the middle of something. I remember my daughter Leah. Oh, what a blessing. She would stand in an open corner with her back, and she'd be huddled in there like, you don't see what I'm doing, do you, Dad? Uh, duh. <laughs> you know, she was a bit of a blonde when she was little. You don't see me, do you, Dad? <laughs> yeah, we did see him. We did see her. You know, and she had this habit of eating crayons. Now, that was not a part of her regular diet. And the way we found out she was eating crayons, we don't want to go into. Because what, comes in, what goes in the mouth comes out other places. It's interesting how you can have a multicolored diaper. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I would not have called her at that instant a, an obedient child. Um, and I love all my kids, but all of them were sinners. All of them at times were disobedient. Joel less than others. He, he has that more angelic, doesn't he? Does, I mean, he can grow a beard. We don't, he hasn't called handsome except maybe by Laura. Nobody's running around calling him handsome. But <clears throat> they were all sinners. There were times when they disobeyed. There were times when they obeyed. And, you know, we want our children, when God wants us as his children, to obey him. Verse chapter 5, verse 1 be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also had loved us and had given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. God is so pleased when his children obey. You know, parents are pleased when their children grow up and obey. You know, sometimes we're amazed when they grow up and obey. Amen. But nonetheless, we're pleased. The Lord is pleased. God wants us. And Peter is exhorting God's people to obedience. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1, you know, I look at some of you and you say, yeah, that, that Joel. And I'm looking at some of you and I'm, you're just thinking, you ought to be thankful I didn't use you as an example. I don't know what your children, what you were like as a child, but I can get a good idea by looking at you now, what you must have been like when, yeah, even Doug, now, he is far past being a little child. But I can, you know, there are times when we're out hunting and he's blowing smoke at me and I'm thinking, oh, no, he does, that doesn't mean he's, he's, he's smoking cigarettes. That means, that means that he's telling me some story. And I think to myself, could this be true? When, and listen, when he tells you stories about my hunting, be careful not to believe them. There may be some measure truth there but you know we, we we know we know what we were like in first thessalonians 4 and 1 the bible says furthermore then we beseech you first thessalonians 4 and 1 beseech you brethren and exhort you by the lord jesus as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please god you know folks our walk our obedience is all about pleasing our heavenly father it's not 
And listen, it's not, we're not trying to please him so he'll save us. We're trying to please him because we love him and he loves us. Amen. You know, sometimes the kids will go out of their way, not always, but go out of their way sometimes to please their parents if they're convinced that their parents love them. They're convinced. You know, I remember as a kid wanting to please my dad in the worst way, and I really tried at times, believe it or not. Amen. And I got after a point, I got discouraged because there was a time when I felt like there was no way to please him. It's not so. You know, folks, we don't have to please him to go to heaven. If we've trusted Christ, we're going to heaven. We're talking about eternal security. We're secure in Christ. But as Christians, God wants us to behave as obedient children. Folks, it's good for us. You know, God doesn't command us to do anything. God hasn't given us commandments because he's just a mean bully. And I just want him to toe the line. Now, sometimes we parents make up rules, and our kids are wondering, why in the world is, <laughs> why do they want me to do this? And maybe our rules are arbitrary. Never so with God. God is wise God. God is a wise Heavenly Father. God knows what's best for us. And when he calls us and exhorts us to obedience, it's for our good. Always for our good. Even though we may struggle with it. It reads on. He says, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Again, holiness being uh, obedient living for the Lord, obedience to our Heavenly Father. Titus 2. Titus 2, and looking at verse 11, Titus 2, and throughout the scripture, God would have us and does want us to be, we see repeatedly, to be obedient children. And folks, it's always for our good. It's for his glory. And you know what? It is, it is also for the good of other people who are watching us. Do you know what? Don't think for a minute that, that unsaved people who don't claim to be Christians don't know that Christians ought to be obedient. They may not know anything about, a lot about Christianity, but one thing they do know, if you claim to be a Christian, then you're going to be trying to obey God. And you, know, you say, well, how do you know that? Because when you don't obey God, they catch you at it. And they said, I thought you were a Christian. And if you're doing something wrong, be sure they're waiting and watching for you to make a mistake. And, you know, they may not know anything about Christianity, but when you disobey, they know. So our obedience is important because people are watching us. They're paying attention. They're watching, as the Bible says, for our halting, our faltering. Now, we're never going to be perfect in our obedience, but we should strive to obey nonetheless. And when we falter and we disobey God, we need to confess it before God and get up and go on and do right. In Titus 2 and verse 11, Titus 2 and verse 11, Paul writing to Titus said this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. How? 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. But how is it that the grace of God hath appeared to all men? In our behavior, in our life of obedience, our life of striving to live a holy life for the Lord. Look at me to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. Let's look at verses 22 and 23. Now God had called Samuel to deliver a message to Saul of, of something he wanted done, wanted Saul, the king of Israel, to do. Well, he did some of it. He didn't do all of it. In verse 22, um, <clears throat> Samuel addresses him over the matter of his incomplete obedience. And uh, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in the burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken to the fat of rams. Now earlier Saul said, Well, look, I've obeyed the commandment of God. But he hadn't done it completely. He goes on to say here in verse 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. He had, he had been obedient in part of it. But incomplete obedience is disobedience. And at times, it could be, it could be uh, considered rebellion against the Lord. So let's be careful, folks. God wants us to be obedient children. And not, not because we have to to go to heaven, but because it's what's best for us that brings glory to God and God uses it to reach out to other people. You know, because people need to know that Christianity stands for something different than what they have. I remember before I got saved, I was in my trailer. I was living in a trailer, again, in in uh, South Georgia. It was okay. Um, and I had a guy come to me. He was my landlord. He came to the house one day with his two little boys, cute little boys. And he brought them in. And he had a book in his hand. And he came into the place. And he was talking about something. I can't remember what it was. And all of a sudden, he took this book and he, he put it right down on the counter. And, and, and just before he did what he was going to do at, next... He looked at his boys that were acting up, and he cursed a blue streak at him. Just cursed a blue streak. I looked down at the book, and I, and I saw the book was the Book of Mormon. Now, this is just an example. It could have been the Book of whatever. But the problem for me was, and I wasn't saved at the time, he's just cursed a blue streak at his cute little kids, and then he invited me to church. <laughs> And, the, the, and he never, he'll never know this. But in my mind, the first thing I thought is, he doesn't have anything that I don't have. Because I could curse with the best of them. And I thought, you know, I don't want a religion that leaves me the same way as, I, as when I came in. I was, in a sense, in my own heart at different times looking for the Lord, and I didn't know it. 
But when this guy did what he did, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know what, I don't want anything to do with what he has. And I didn't know the man. But that was my first impression of the man. And of his faith. And of his faith. It had done nothing for him, and hence I thought it'll do nothing for me. You know, folks, we want people to know that our faith in Christ has done something for us. Amen? That it has changed us. It has made us different than what we were before. And that obedience is a good thing. For us, and it's a good thing for them, and it's a good thing uh, for the Lord. You know, on the side of uh, incomplete obedience, you know, there's a story told of a, of a young minister. He'd gotten saved. He'd gotten saved out of a rough life. And he'd now become a minister of the gospel and been, become a rather uh, famous preacher. Well, he went home back to his hometown one day. And he had, in, his, in his past, he had been athletic. He had been a boxer and all kinds of things like that. Well, he went back to his hometown and he encountered, he encountered a, 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 a friend of his that had been at times a competitor of his. He had been in the ring with him. They had boxed several times. And he had basically knocked the guy out. And so when the guy came, when the, when the preacher came back to his hometown, the guy encountered him. And the first thing he did was say, yeah, I heard you, I, I've heard you become a Christian. I've heard you become a Christian. And he, and he, said, he said, doesn't the Bible say that uh, when someone strikes you on one cheek, you're to turn the other cheek to him? Now they're boxers. This guy was a boxer. And the guy looked at him. He knew what was coming. And before he knew it, he was slugged by the guy. And the guy got up, shook himself, and turned the other cheek. And that guy hit him again. He picked himself up, shook himself, and said, he said, are you satisfied? Well, I guess so. Then the minister took off his coat and beat the snot out of the guy. Now you say, preacher, he didn't. Yeah, I guess he did. Now, he had obeyed, after a fashion, he'd obeyed the commandment to turn the other cheek. He had, he had obeyed the letter of the law, but he'd missed the spirit of the law. Amen. And, uh, you know, I'm sure God wasn't impressed that he, that he knocked him out again. You know, and I'm sure, you know what, <laughs> sometimes... You know, you feel like when you're in a situation like that, you know, going ahead and, yeah, let me show you. <clears throat> what are we talking about? The exhortation to being obedient children. And sometimes it's not always easy to obey, but it's always what's best. And remember this, folks, incomplete obedience is not obedience. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.